You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen each and every day. Locked On Wolves is, of course, free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and, of course, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T-Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, today on the show, lots to talk about. Timberwolves Blazers, of course, tonight, Tuesday night, and uh, Wolves out in Portland, first game of a three-game West Coast road trip, and it gets a lot tougher after Tuesday at Portland. So I want to talk about that matchup, what happened the last time the Wolves and the Blazers faced off, which was uh, roughly six weeks ago now, five, six, yeah, about six weeks ago. So I want to kind of go back to that, and uh, see what happened, what can, what we can expect based on how the Blazers sands Damian Lillard, how well they've played without Dame in recent weeks. They've actually played better since he got hurt. Of course, not suggesting at all that they're better without him overall, but they've played surprisingly well over the past uh, two weeks or so. I want to get to the Timberwolves' offensive improvement here in just a little bit. Some numbers, uh, basically since D'Lo, actually, since D'Angelo Russell came back a few weeks ago from injury and, and how good they've been since then. And uh, look at D'Angelo Russell specifically at his improvements um, this year across the board, both on, on both ends of the floor. Let's start, though, with the Kevin Garnett stuff. Um, so this is a report that was kind of, as as he often does, Charlie Walters of the Pioneer Press in the Twin Cities had a long list of, of he, he does his, I forget the name of the column, but um, he has the rumors kind of interspersed with, you know, little local tidbits of, of people that are originally from the Twin Cities or attended school anywhere in the upper Midwest, really. And there was a nugget in there about Carl Anthony, or excuse me, about Kevin Garnett and the interest that the that the Timberwolves' new ownership group has in bringing Kevin Garnett aboard as a minority owner. Of course, we knew that Kevin Garnett, we've, we've known that Kevin Garnett was very involved or very interested in being involved in a potential purchase of the Wolves going back over a year now. Most recently, there was the, the situation almost a year ago. This was like early 2021 when Kevin Garnett claimed that he had a group that was put together that was ready to make an offer on the Timberwolves. Glenn Taylor claims that he was never a serious contender to try and purchase the team. And there was this ugly kind of sniping between Glenn Taylor and Kevin Garnett in the media. Nothing new, of course. And ultimately, there nothing else came of it. We haven't heard of anything about Garnett since then. Um, and we, we just kind of, everybody just kind of figured, hey, this thing is still the same thing that it always has been, which means the Timberwolves won't retire Garnett's jersey because Garnett won't allow it as long as Glenn Taylor is owner. And what happens next? Of course, we've seen the Boston Celtics honor Garnett at a game uh, just a couple of years ago, and the Wolves have not done it yet. Now, the rumor that comes from Charlie Walters of the Pioneer Press is that they're pushing to have Kevin Garnett join the ownership group at a minority investment of around $100 million. Grand scheme of things, remember, the, the team sold for roughly one point, it was $1.4 something billion. So a relative drop in the bucket. I mean, we're talking, if it's that same valuation, less than, um, you know, I mean, what, far less than than uh, 10% of the team. Um, but, you know, enough enough skin in the game to to be a minority owner, to be, you know, lumped into the ownership group, whatever that might be. Of course, of the $1.4 Mark Laurie's putting up the vast majority of that. On Alex Rodriguez's 
uh, number is much, much, much lower than Lori's. Rodriguez, though, of course, is the headliner, the former Major League Baseball superstar. So uh, more people know who he is than people that know who the actual billionaire Mark Lori is. Uh, at any rate, the plan would be that Garnett buys in at around $100 million, and then the Timberwolves could, of course, retire his jersey number. They would, of course, uh, build a statue outside Target Center. Those are both things mentioned by Charlie Walters at the Pioneer Press. Um, so all that sounds great, and it makes sense. I have three thoughts on it. Quick thoughts. Number one. It's obvious. Of course. Uh, Garnett, this has to happen eventually anyway. What's the easiest way to do it? I mean, Laurie and Enriquez know that Garnett wants to get back involved. He just doesn't want to do it with Glenn Taylor. They know he wanted to have ownership stake in the team. He has tons of business interests. He's been a businessman. Um, uh, you know, he's made, uh, he's been in movies. He's done all this stuff since he was a player. This aligns with what Garnett wants to do. This is a way for him to do it at a relatively low risk, if you can call a $100 million investment low risk. But Grand scheme of things, a relatively low risk for Garnett. It also fits Mark Lohr and Alex Rodriguez's goals of creating a player first culture. Um, you know, Garnett is, would consult. This is another nugget mentioned by Charlie Walters in the article is he would then consult on player matters, et cetera. Unclear if that means like personnel or like uh, quality of of life type things for players, if you will. Uh, the, the player experience in the in the facility, in and around the team, et cetera. I'm not sure if that if that actually means like basketball operations decisions, I think he, the way he put it was was uh, player matters or something like that, something regarding players. Hopefully it's more on, on the player experience side uh, than it is on the actual personnel side. But at any rate, this fits with what Laurie Rodriguez wants to do is make the Timberwolves more player friendly, uh, more attractive to potential new players, whether that's in free agency or guys who might simply get traded or drafted to the Timberwolves. Um, and it also is a very, it would be an extremely popular extremely popular move among Timberwolves fans. I mean, people would, they would be universally lauded uh, bringing Garnett back into the fold. My second thought is that could be almost two years from now when this happens. Remember, Glenn Taylor is still the majority owner until December of 2023. So we're still 23-ish months away from, from Lorian Rodriguez actually taking a controlling stake in the team. Remember, they started as a minority owner uh, ownership group. The the Parada is is currently minority owners. They get another chunk of the team next December, December of twenty two. So this coming December, I guess, in in eleven months, ten months, um, and then following the following December, December of twenty three, is when they would actually become the majority owners of the team. And I mean, does this happen before then? Um, does it happen? Will Glenn Taylor still the majority owner? Can Lorian Rodriguez convince Garnett to just let this happen? Can they convince Taylor? Although it sounds like Taylor could be convinced it's more a Garnett thing at this point, which is understandable. I'm not saying Garnett's in the wrong necessarily to not want to, 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 you know, come to the table with Glenn Taylor. So could Garnett be convinced if it's Lorian Rodriguez and Taylor's kind of like in the shadows of the whole thing, but is still the majority owner. That seems weird to me. The third thought I have is that even if this happens after Laura and Enriquez take control, so almost two years from now, or I guess it would be more than two years from now, it's still going to be weird because Glenn Taylor, by all accounts, all the reports out there is that Taylor plans to stay on as a minority owner and still maintain a stake in the team after he sells the majority shares to Rodriguez and Lori. So he's still going to be an owner. Now, obviously there's, you know, you could be a minority shareholder in a team and never speak to another one of them, um, or never be in the same room as another minority shareholder that it wouldn't be hard to do uh grand scheme of things. So maybe that's not a big deal, but it could be awkward if Laurie and Rodriguez are controlling owners, Garnett's a minority stakeholder and so's Glenn Taylor. 
I mean, if they have an actual, like an in-person shareholders meeting, that could be weird, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. Um, so there's a lot of moving pieces here, but at the end of the day, it's only a matter of time before it happens. It's just how long down the road does this happen? If nothing else, it's a good sign that, that this is being talked about on, on some level, uh, that Lorian Rodriguez recognize how important this is. And, and I'm sure, you know, Ethan Casson, Ryan Tanky, the guys in the Timberwolves business front office who have been around forever. And, you know, a lot of the other people, whether it's Jim Peterson on the TV broadcast, people that have been in, around and with the team forever, know what Garnett means to the franchise and no doubt have made it very clear to Laurie and Rodriguez how important it would be. The question is, how soon does it happen? Um, and how awkward could it be if it happens sooner rather than later? But that's something to keep an eye on. It was good to see that that is something that, really seems like it's going to come to fruition at some point. It's a matter of when and not if related to Garnett joining the ownership group. Okay, next I want to talk about the Timberwolves' offensive improvement here in recent weeks. I want to run through some numbers there, and then we'll hit the Portland-Timberwolves uh, matchup on Tuesday night. We'll, we'll hit some of the high points there and what to look out for. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Prize Picks. Timberwolves fans, you've been hearing me tell you about Prize Picks now for months. Have you signed up yet? If you haven't, now is the perfect time. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our listeners. Users of PrizePix get $50 free if a if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, but you and you must use code NBA. You get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available only to locked on fans who use the code NBA. $50 for free if any player, if the player in your prize picks entry scores a single point, prize picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players that only record a handful of minutes each game. Prize picks offers any prop that you can think of from points to assists, rebounds, three pointers made, etc. All you do is pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Recently, I did a flex play uh, over the weekend. NBA basketball, NFL playoffs doesn't get any better than that. You can do any mixed sport entries. So, uh, like you could do multiple NBA games in the same night and mix mixed games, not the you know same sport, different games. You could go, uh, you know, call it this weekend. You could take the over on Carl Anthony Towns points when they play on whatever night. What do they play? Friday night, I think this weekend. So you could take the over on Cat points Friday night against Phoenix or whoever they play, and you could take. Uh, I guess there's not an NFL game Friday night. So that, that example is not going to work. How about Sunday? The Timberwolves play on Sunday. That's championship Sunday in the NFL. You could pick uh, Towns over on points and you could take Patrick Mahomes over on uh, passing touchdowns on Sunday with a mixed sport entry. It's really easy to do. Just use the award-winning app, both the App Store and Google Play. It takes about 30 seconds to make your selections. It really is that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Go to prizepix.com today or go to your App Store and download the app. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get $50 free if your first PrizePix entry scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get 50 bucks free if your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right. One more thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. And Lockdown NBA will be covering it live from 1 p.m. Central to 3 p.m. Central. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, 
and NBA veteran Antonio Daniels and get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA's YouTube channel. Turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. That's going to be a ton of fun. Um, and of course, the Wolves have a shot at being involved this year in the trade deadline. I think they're they're more likely to do something this year than they ever were at any point last year, really. Um, okay, let's talk Timberwolves offense. So the Timberwolves offense of late has been fantastic. That's been well documented. Uh, there's, uh, let's see. So Dane Moore of the of the fantastic Dane Moore NBA podcast, of course, covers the Wolves for, for Blue Wire Pods. Um, he said, uh, he had a tweet. This was after the game on, on uh, Sunday night. He said, since Towns Russell and Edwards returned from COVID protocols nine games ago, the Wolves are six and three. They have the number one offense in the NBA an offensive rating of 119, the number 18 defense, so still fairly middle of the pack, 112, and they're number four in net rating at a plus seven. So they're number four in net rating league-wide, six and three overall over the last nine games. And the second best offense during that same stretch is Brooklyn, who they just defeated on Sunday night. So a good tidbit from Dane. There's a lot of factors there. Obviously, those three guys returning would be the biggest one, but I really want to focus in on D'Angelo Russell. And yes, the individual stats are great, I've talked a lot on the show throughout the season about how his shooting numbers have been, it's been one of his worst shooting years of his career. And that's still the case. If you just look at his raw shooting numbers, go look at his field goal percentage, 41.1%. If the season ended right now, that would be the second worst shooting percentage of his career. Or I'm sorry, it would be a 10th of a percent higher than what he did as a rookie with the Lakers. But his only other years that were worse than this one were his first two years in the league in terms of field goal percentage, which is an awful metric of how well somebody's playing offensively. But I'm just saying, if you looked at the raw numbers and didn't dig any deeper, you'd be like, oh man, this is awful. Three-point shooting percentage, 35.4%, same thing. He hasn't been that bad since his first year in Brooklyn. Uh, Since then, he's been 37-ish percent or higher every year. He's 35.4% this year. Um, By those metrics, you'd be like, man, this seems to be a really disappointing season for D'Lo to this point. Not true at all. Um, And yes, he started out the year slow, but he's been fantastic since then. You look at his rate-based statistics, uh, and everything is trending upward for D'Angelo Russell. This is the best assist rate he's had since uh, his, I mean, really, he's within a percentage point of what he did uh, the year that he split between the Warriors and Minnesota. He's That was 35.2%. This is 34.3%. Besides that, though, this is his best assist rate since his all-star season in Brooklyn. Um, it's his lowest turnover rate of his career. As of right now, he has the lowest turnover rate of any season of his career and uh, basically his second highest assist rate of any season of his career. His usage rate also is at a career low since his rookie season. So throughout his rookie year with the Lakers, this is a career low usage rate, a career low turnover rate, but an assist rate that's right up there where it needs to be. And this is also the most three-pointers he shot in terms of his three-point rate than any other season in his career. It's the only year that he's shot well over 51% of his shot attempts have been three-point attempts. So his three-point attempt rate is 0.534. Another way to say that is 53.4% of his shot attempts are three-pointers. Now, I just got done saying that this is one of his worst three-point shooting years, but you got to believe that that's going to swing in the opposite direction. I mean, he's a 36% career three-point shooter, but since his first three seasons in the league, he's much better than that, right? You go back his last three years, and he's a 37.2% three-point shooter. He's 354 this year. That's going to come up just a little bit. If he keeps that three-point rate up there and the assist rate stays up and the turnover rate stays low, this is on track to be the best year of his career. All the advanced metrics suggest that. You look at win shares, you look at any of the other uh, box score-based metrics, um, and this is a positive trend for D'Angelo Russell. Now, 
lots of other factors here. This is the best supporting cast or the best, I guess, players around D'Angelo Russell that he's ever had. I mean, Carlton and Townsend, Anthony Edwards, I mean, it, it'd be hard to find another, you know, late stage Kobe Bryant during D'Angelo Russell's rookie year. No, not exactly. Um, Golden State, that was the year Steph Curry got hurt just a few games into the season. Clay Thompson was out, of course. Uh, you look at the Brooklyn seasons, there wasn't much else in Brooklyn those years. So this is the, D'Angelo has more around him than he's had before. I also want to talk about well, and also just to the eye test, right? If you watch the Timberwolves over the last nine games, go back and watch a game from like early December, late November, or mid-November, I guess. And the offense, the flow just wasn't there. Right now, D'Angelo Russell seems like he's got the whole thing under his thumb, right? He's got the whole offense. He's orchestrating the offense beautifully. Pick and roll game, phenomenal. Making all the right decisions, making the easy passes and making the tough passes and making the tough passes look easy. I mean, the no-look passes that he's pulling off, the pocket passes and pick-and-roll game is phenomenal. Um, and he's calling his own number at the right times. He's making the right reads. He's not hes not overdoing it when it comes to calling his own number, which we've seen him do in the past. This has been a much, a, a much improved D'Angelo Russell in terms of his decision-making. Defensively, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, defensively this year, D'Angelo Russell has been really, really impressive. Um, he... And I say that this this is through the lens of of what we know about D'Angelo Russell, right? I'm not at all arguing that he's a plus defender. He's not. But I've said on the show before, um, and bear with me if you've heard me say this, and if you haven't, um, I, I say this a lot. The difference between being awful, like atrocious at any, really any skill, and being okay or passable is oftentimes just as great and sometimes greater from being you know good at something and being really good at something. So the difference between D'Lo being one of the worst defensive on-ball defenders, uh, on-ball guard defenders, really, in the league, to being okay is huge. And that's a a huge chunk of what we've seen so far this year. You look at any of the advanced metrics. So Raptor, uh, which Raptor is the the metric over at, uh, which one's Raptor? That one's 538. So the ESPN's analytics site, the Nate Silver site, 538, has Raptor as a um, an advanced metric that that uh, looks at both players and teams. LeBron is the metric over at B-Ball Index, our friends at B-Ball Index, uh, bball-index.com. And then also box plus minus over at Basketball Reference. Each one of those metrics has an individual offensive box score number and a defensive box score number and a total one. All three of those defensive marks last year graded out D'Angelo Russell as an F according to B-Ball Index. All three of those metrics gave him an F. I'll give you the percentiles that he pulled down to those metrics in those three. So this is, again, LeBron uh, at B-Ball Index, it's Raptor at 538, and it's box score plus minus at Basketball Reference. Percentiles last year, D'Angelo Russell was 10th, 3rd, and ninth in those three metrics. All Fs. So 10th percentile and below, meaning that he was better than anywhere from 3% to seven to 3% to 10% of the NBA on defense in these metrics, which is miserable for a guy who plays as many minutes as D'Angelo Russell does, who's as vital to his team as D'Angelo Russell and is supposed to be. I mean, he's on a max contract. That's miserable. This year, he's not getting an F anymore. He's up in the D range, which matters, right? Now he's in the 20s percentiles. Those percentiles have jumped from 10 to 21, third percentile. And uh, that one is LeBron, third percentile to 24th percentile, and ninth percentile to 28th percentile. It's the incremental improvements that add up over time. We're still only a little more than halfway through the season, but going from 10th to 21st percentile, third to 24th percentile, ninth to 28th percentile, 
those things matter. They add up over time. If he continues to improve, if that becomes the 35th percentile, the 40th percentile, now we're talking about a genuinely average defender if he can get to that range. And if he keeps doing what he's doing and improving his on-ball defense and, and playing hard, and he's also healthy. You remember he had the knee issue last year. Um, I mean, if he's an average defender, then that explains a lot about what the Timberwolves have been doing on that end of the floor this season. Now, the defense overall has been a little bit shoddy of late. Uh, I just mentioned over the last nine games, they're 18th in defensive rating, which is fine, but like compared to the top 10 defense that they've been for much of the season, not great. And D'Angelo Russell specifically, he struggled a little with Kyrie Irving on Sunday. There's been a couple assignments that he struggled more with than others, including uh, the loss. I forget what loss it was last week. He had one just terrible defensive game. But if he can stay locked in and do what he's doing offensively, continue to improve incrementally on defense, I mean, that's what the Timberwolves need. They need incremental improvement for guys like D'Lo and Towns on that end of the floor, Anthony Edwards on the defensive end of the floor, and the offense is starting to gel, and now we're suddenly seeing a team that is genuinely a, a true playoff threat and a team that could be in the sixth or seventh seed in the Western Conference when this thing's all said and done. D'Angelo Russell's a big part of that, and seeing this improvement has been fantastic. Okay, I want to close the show by looking at the Wolves-Blazers matchup on Tuesday night, so we're going to do that here next. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs in the NBA now more than halfway through the season and championship weekend uh, this coming weekend in the NFL and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and that means a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started from football to basketball, hockey to boxing, and UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's talk Wolves-Blazers. So um, first of all, the Blazers obviously don't have Damian Lillard at their disposal. He's out with the abdominal abdominal injury. They do have CJ McCollum, who's been back for a couple of games now. He missed a long time with a collapsed lung. Portland actually, grand scheme of things, I mean, it's, it's been a weird season for them. Between the McCollum injury and now the Lillard injury, the offseason stuff, will they trade Damian Lillard, the, the Chauncey Billups hiring after, after uh, Stotts was fired, Terry Stotts was fired, it just kind of seemed like things could come crashing down at any moment. And now with the Lillard injury, it seemed like they should have bottomed out, but instead they've only gone, they've turned around and gone seven and four since Dame got hurt. Now it's not exactly been a murderer's row of opponents. If you go back to when he got hurt, they've beaten Sacramento, they've beaten Washington, Orlando, Boston, and Toronto, which are all losing teams, except for, I think when they beat them, the wizards were above 500. So, I mean, they also beat the Nets, which is the one win on this list that's really good. I believe that was the Nets without Kevin Durant, though. Um, And when they've lost, they've gotten blown out. They've gotten blown out by the Cavs. They got blown out big time by 32 to the Denver Nuggets. They lost to double by double digits by the Heat to the Heat, I should say. And actually, they've lost to the Heat twice uh, since Damian Lillard went out. A shorthanded Heat team, too, by the way, a a battered Heat team. So the losses have been really bad. The wins have been really outside of the the Nets win, not all that impressive. So on the one hand, don't overlook Portland because they still have CJ McCollum. He's back, he's healthy, and they're winning, right? They've won four out of the last five. They've won uh, seven out of the last 11. They're playing okay. On the other hand, they haven't exactly beat 
a ton of really good teams. So this is a very winnable game for Minnesota. I'd imagine uh, that they're going to be favored in this game um, on the road in, uh, in in Portland just because of how well they've been playing and no Damian Lillard. Um, this is also a team that the Timberwolves beat when Dame did play earlier this season. Uh, there's not currently a line on the game that I can see at betonline.ag, but I would imagine it gets posted here soon. Um, there's some question, I guess, Anthony Edwards' status. He, the update, there really isn't a concrete update on him, although it doesn't sound like his injury that he suffered late in the game on Sunday was nearly as serious as it appeared like it could have been. Um, but at the moment, we have to consider him to be questionable to play. And, and the Timberwolves haven't announced as of this recording, there's no injury status designated to Anthony Edwards. And obviously if that changes, uh, that could, that will affect the line of this game. Uh, but all that to say, McCollum, no Lillard, the Timberwolves likely will be favored in this one. Remember Minnesota beat Portland the last time these two teams faced off by five. That was a game that was on the heels or it actually ended a five game losing streak for Minnesota. It was right after everybody came back healthy. This was after D'Angelo Russell missed some games due to the ankle sprain. Um, I think it was the ankle sprain or yeah, ankle sprain. Um, and the Timberwolves had Towns, they had Russell, they had Edwards. They also had Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly. This was the return of the greatest lineup ever. And then right after that is when the COVID stuff started to hit. I think Beverly also got hurt. It all happened really quickly after this game. But this game stopped the five-game losing streak. It stopped the bleeding. Um, D'Lo played well in his first game back. He had four threes in this game. Jared Vanderbilt had 14-8 and eight with three steals on the road. Towns had a double-double, 23-10. and 10, And Anthony Edwards was very good, 24 points on just 13 shots in this game. And Minnesota was just was just had a solid all-around game. Um, they caused Damian Lillard to shoot just three of 14 from outside the arc. He had 24 points, but he made 11 free throws and only five shots from the field. Also turned it over five times. And outside of Dame and a little bit of Anthony Simons off the bench, it's not like Portland was able to do much else against Minnesota. And the Timberwolves, led by seven after the first quarter, ended up winning by five. Portland still is a tough team to figure out because they've had so many guys in and out of the lineup this year. They've won some of these close games that they probably shouldn't have won. They're on a bit of a roller coaster lately. And and Dame, when he was healthy, by the way, was fine. I mean, he was Damian Lillard, but he wasn't quite the same Dame that we've come to know and love. I mean, he is 31 now, and um, the supporting cast isn't quite what it has been, especially when McCollum was out. But Dame's numbers, his shooting percentages are not at all what we've come to expect from him. Still, this is a solid team. Uh, they've got some pieces that are really nice. I mean, they've got obviously Yusuf Nurkic is having a really good year. Larry Nance Jr., a, a long rumored Timberwolves trade target and free agency target at one point, has had a really good season as well. Um, and Anthony Simons off the bench for them um, it has been has been a ton of fun as well. Has been a really good player, at least off the bench when he played against the Wolves last time. Is he he came in off the bench and had that big game against Minnesota. Um, Portland as a whole, they're still a good offensive team. They get to the line a bunch. They shoot a lot of threes, um, and and they're just kind of a, a respectable offensive team. They 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 do what they do. They're good at it. Um, they're middle of the pack in terms of rebounding the ball. They're they're top ten in terms of three point attempts makes and percentages per game. They're also uh, top ten when it comes to free throw attempts per game. Middle of the pack in terms of percentage at the free throw line. Defense is where they really struggle. And Minnesota's offense, if they can keep doing what they've done to, you know, most recently Brooklyn, but the last several games, as I talked about earlier, the best offense in the league over the past nine games on the schedule, if they can do that, if they can play like that again, they should be able to hang 120, 125 points in regulation on Portland. And if their defense can just show up a little bit, this is a game that Minnesota should win. No Damian Lillard, um, obviously on the road, but still. And then you look ahead at the upcoming schedule and it becomes that much more imperative that the Timberwolves win this game. Things are about to get really difficult for Minnesota. 
And a week from now, we're going to have a much better sense of, hey, is this little bump for real or was this at least partially schedule, you know, uh, impacted? Now, obviously, Minnesota's beaten Golden State. No Steph Curry, no Draymond Green. They've beaten the Knicks who are okay. They've beaten the Nets. So they've beaten some decent competition. Um, But after they go to Portland Tuesday, they go to Golden State on Thursday night. That's a TNT game, a 9 p.m. Central tip. And then they have a back-to-back in Phoenix on Friday. So back-to-back Golden State, Phoenix. And then Sunday, they're back home for Utah. And then Denver at home. So the next four games are against teams that I think coming into the season, this is after Portland, everybody would have said, oh, Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, Denver. Those are probably four of the top six teams in the league. Obviously, Denver has been a little disappointing. Utah has struggled a little bit lately. But still, um, that's a really difficult stretch of four games for Minnesota. So winning this Portland game, getting a game above 500 before that murderous row is going to be really, really important. Um, so big game Tuesday night. We'll of course do the post game pod following the game. It'll be real late after the 9 PM tip. So it'll probably publish overnight between Tuesday and Wednesday. So be sure you're following and subscribed. And thank you to those of you that do make lockdown wolves, your first listen each and every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite, uh, audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, of course, the all new odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at lockdown T wolves and at B beacon with two B's, two E's C K E N. That's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Also, a reminder, while you're making Lockdown Wolves your first listen, you can make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.